This is an interview with Hellstar singer James Rivera on Thursday, June 3rd, 2021 by Nick Perkel. Now, James, were you involved in any choirs, conservatories, or have any private tutors to study with as a singer when you were younger? No, until after the first album. Uh, then I, 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 I did take lessons from a uh, opera trainer. Uh, she was actually the vocal trainer for the Houston Opera Club, and she was also the um, uh, vocal trainer at a, uh, what is they call those, uh, Art Institute high schools were uh, special. If you had special talents, you went to that high school instead of a normal high school. And she was the uh, vocal trainer there, and I just it just so happened I I got turned on to her because of a student that was there, and the first album had already been out, and uh, I just took training from her. I worked with her for a, for a good while until she felt that you know she everything that she needed to teach me, uh, most of it you know because most of it was self taught anyways, but what she could teach me technically. And then she felt that it was time to let her little bird go, as she said, and <laughs> and that's uh, that's how it all started. You re-released uh, the 2016 album Vampiro on the uh-huh. Clad in Black album. Is there anything that you wanted to include on that album the first time that for this time around you got the chance to do? No, we didn't do anything different to it. Really, we didn't at all. We 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 just we just really the the main reason was we just felt that it needed a. Uh, it needed to be pushed uh, a, a, a bit more than it, it, it got when it came out because we were sort of guinea pigs on a, on the label that it that it originally came out on. And that's just because, you know, I was good friends with Dave Ellison and it was his label, although he didn't really run the label. It just he owned it and the connection between me and him. But it seemed like a good idea at the time because we wanted to maybe for, uh, go back to being sort of primarily on an American metal label where we've been with the Germans for, for, for many years, but being that they were a new label and just not having quite the ammunition that a band like us really needed. Although we were probably the biggest name on that label probably to this day still are. And I don't even think the label's even there anymore. I really haven't seen much about that label. They did a pretty decent job. But it didn't get like what's happening right now with being back on Massacre. And, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, uh, this is not even a full-length album. It's an EP with with releasing a previous album that's already five years old. And I have done more interviews than I can count in a month. (laughs) It's been crazy. So... Obviously, the the promotion it, uh, is is kind of back to where uh, a band like us kind of needed. Black Wings of Solitude was the first single for the upcoming release. Like, how has the pandemic changed how you try to market an album? Well, uh, it you know it, it it was different. I mean, you know, I mean it it, it it you know, I mean it really wasn't. The only thing that was different about it was it was just delays, uh, things of that nature, and wanting things to be done at a certain time. But it was probably one of the best things uh, could have done since we couldn't play live. At least having something out there in the social media now is different. You know, this would have been a long time ago. We probably would have been screwed. You know, putting something out. But 
now that everything runs through social media now and everything else, putting that out really helped a lot with getting the name back out there. And, and it got such an overwhelming response of it that I think that, uh, you know, building up to the EP and delivering two more new songs with a couple of more covers um, and just sort of keeping things out there since the band couldn't tour uh, was definitely a good move on the chessboard. Now, you have, like, the full length coming out later this year. Did any of those songs, um, their compositions predate the pandemic? Black Wings is probably already almost going on its third year. That that Black Wings and uh, and um, Across the Raging Seas uh, were, uh, they just got, Across the Raging Seas just kind of got rearranged, but uh, musically, it was already started. Black Wings was completely done. Um, those were supposed to be for a movie that never happened. So um, we, um, or, yeah, so we already had those written. I see. Um, do you care to talk about that movie that that didn't happen, or like the concept of it? Yeah, it, the movie was supposed to be. It, it was kind of gonna, you know, I would I would say it would have probably been a B rated, if even maybe even C rated movie, and it was gonna be called uh, Zombie Something, and about some rock stars that 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 had to fight zombies in a in a graveyard and this kind of thing, <laughs> one of those kind of weird movies, you know, and uh, and uh, so the the guy wanted a, and they were supposed to be more of a hair metal band too, on top of that, that was. Uh, going to be the main stars of this movie so you know we never wrote a straightforward ballad and he you know he's a fan of hell stars and you know he's a Houstonian himself he definitely wanted us to be a part of it and asked if we could write a a ballad you know uh, you know some something a little bit more tame compared to what hell stars known for and so we said, yeah, I mean, sure, you know, we never have. And, and and so we started thinking back to like, you know, well, let's see, Jesus, you know, Beyond the Realms of Death by Judas Priest is like probably one of our favorite songs. And how hard is it to write a simple ballad, you know, and and we really didn't put a lot of thought into it. And it didn't take a lot of integrity to write Black Wings of Solitude. And then it sat. And then after we listened to it again, a year later, because the movie never really happened, we didn't re- we didn't realize we didn't realize wow what a masterpiece we wrote just throwing something together, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of uh, what happened with Black Wings and and then it and then the more we listened to it and then uh, rearranging a few little things and then handing it over to you know, uh, Martin Pfeiffer and uh, Stefan Kaufman to mix and master it and give it the big, the big production, uh, except Scorpions type of, uh, of uh, production. I mean, at the end of the day, now it's like, it's a masterpiece, you know, and it's kind of like, wow, it, it's our fade to black, you know, we, we just never wrote one like that. And now we realize that uh, uh, in a sense that we might've been, Kind of cheating ourselves out of uh, out of writing stuff that could have been more accessible to bigger crowds of people, just because we were always such an intricate band. You know, we we steered from writing 
you know, I don't want to say ACDC style songs because it's definitely not far from that. But we, we never really thought too straightforward when we wrote music because we were always that band that like, oh, you know, each album always had to be more technical than the last. Now, for this upcoming album, I think you've got like the first single, Black Wings, and two other songs for it. Is there a particular theme to the album that you can share? Well, Black Wings, you know, it still ties in stuff from Vampiro um, because it, 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 you know, in my concept of the song, it's about a, it, it, it's still very uh, vampire oriented, uh, basically about a vampire who, who's longing to become mortal again because he, uh, he, he, he falls in love with the mortal, but he, he loves her so much that he can't change her to become the undead like him and be cursed. But then there's also a mean, which is strange because the song has, it can have three different meanings that, that was, that's my spin on it just because that's, you know, I'm fascinated with, with vampirism and all that. Larry's input of the lyrics were dedicated to, to Bruce Corbett who passed away. So um, it's also about that and, and having cancer. Uh, and then also it's uh, about a person that just has an addiction and a friend of mine that had a very big drinking problem, you know, got a, a bad DWI and, uh, you know, he had spent a few days in jail. And so there, there's a different, there's a different kind of spin on that. So it's still tied in with that dark incarnation is about a, uh, very evil satanic witch that, um, Larry turned me on to a movie that he saw, and when uh, I saw it, we both went to town on it, and <clears throat> we wrote that song more about that movie and uh, about uh, uh, this witch that, you know, that uh, uh, it, she gives you everything you want, but in return, your soul is, is what the, uh, the cost is. <clears throat> and then, oddly enough, Across the Raging Seas, is strictly about the Japanese kamikaze pilots that uh, uh, crashed into the ships, you know, back in World War II. So it's kind of weird how they have, all have different meanings. But then if you leave it up to me and another guy that interviewed me, you know, and then, of course, the, the, the title of the album and musically, it still can be tied in to something to do with the darkness of the undead because uh, my spin on dark incarnation is, yeah, but that satanic witch was Dracula's cousin. <laughs> so there, I get to throw in my vampire little thing there, and then, oh, okay, that's cool. And then, you know, across the raging seas, the kamikaze pilots, well, yeah, they got the strength because Dracula possessed them to be able to not fear death and uh, dive into those ships, you know, during those days. So it's it's kind of funny how they all have different meanings, but there's always a way for me to tie in however I want to, to the undead and uh, afterlife and um, things to do with vampirism. So, it, 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 you know, that that's just kind of what the band has done now is that uh, since I've I've just com completely adapted uh, the new name, James Vampiro Rivera, and everybody recognizes me now as 
a vampire or, or slash Dracula on stage. And that is my um, permanent image. You know, the band has given me that that love and that freedom and support to allow me to to live out that little fantasy of, of always wanting to have that image. But at the same time, um, it doesn't make me make them write only about vampires anymore. So that's the agreement we have. Everything I write will always be somehow connected to that, and it'll have it can have two or three meanings. But somewhere along the line, I know that it's going to have a meaning of something to do with the undead. Now, just wondering, did you ever get to explore any interesting locations like Romania that have folklore relating to vampires? Well, most of Europe is, you know, that way. Uh, and, you know, and unfortunately, when I was singing for Vicious Rumors, Romania was on the map for the tour. And it was the one tour that, believe it or not, that, uh, the promoter uh, ran off with all the money <laughs> and the show got canceled. And uh, it was a sad thing that we were marooned in Greece for three days because of that incident. And, of course, I was looking so forward to, to going to Romania, but... I've uh, been in touch with people from Romania, and I know some people from Romania, and I, and I know I know some things about Transylvania. But in Europe, in general, um, uh, vampirism and and uh, Eastern a lot of Eastern Europe is is very heavy into uh, the concept of vampires and and folklore of it. Uh, like our first time in Slovenia, we I noticed certain things that were like drawings on buildings on the sides of buildings and, and that had vampires and stuff like that. And of course their accent is very Romanian like anyways. And so, yeah, it's, it, that was about the closest I've ever got to really. And of course, you know, uh, going to uh, new Orleans and then there's a, there's an old cemetery in Galveston that uh, is, is got a lot of old tombstones and, uh, but New Orleans is very, um, very into uh, uh, vampirism and, and witchcraft and the occult and things like that. And so I had a blast going down there one time for Christmas Eve. Did you ever check out any of the subspecies movies? No, not really. I don't think I've really seen too many of those. Yeah, I, I was just asking that because like, they were actually shot in Romania right after the Berlin Wall fell. And um, mm -hmm. they got, like, exclusive access to, like, a bunch of cool, like, sites that, like, they never would have gotten otherwise. So it's just, like, some fun, like, castles and things of that nature. Oh, wow. Huh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I've been dying to go there. I would love to go there. <laughs> when it comes to your music collection, what are your three most cherished albums from Texas musicians? From Texas bands in yeah. general, oh man, that's that's a hard one. Um, well, I would have to say that I really loved uh, "Prepare to Die" by the San Antonio Slayer, the first Watchtower record, probably, and then uh, after that, uh, yeah, that's tough because um, I was never really. A big ZZ Top fan, just because they, they, I mean, I love them. They're they're uh, very well admired, and I have much respect. But it just never really was into what they fall into as far as classic rock. Uh, and I know people are probably gonna 
find me one day on the street and beat me to death, especially uh, uh, tattooed, <laughs> ball-headed <laughs> uh, Angelo people, but I just never got into Pantera. So I can't say anything really great about anything of their any of their albums that did anything for me um, too much at all, except for the first album. Um, but, uh, you know, and it was a different strain of metal, if, if you think about it, too, anyways. Uh, things were uh, were very different back then. And, and, um, but, uh, and Solitude Eternus, anything Solitude Eternus did, of course, I loved. Now, when it comes to Hellstar, what is the coolest thing you own? The coolest thing that I own? Yeah, or, or just like maybe a cherished... <laughs> thing you've gotten over the years from a fan or like some rare demo or something like that oh for, um well the one thing that that i have that uh i guess is um yeah one that i haven't gotten any i haven't gotten it as a present but i mean i've uh I, somebody actually got the nosferatu tattoo on their arm which you know for life and they did it such to a point that it was so, I mean, the details were just incredible on it. And he was from Mexico and he drove all the way to San Diego just to see us, uh, from that part of Mexico on the West coast. And, and I got a picture of that. That's about the one thing I can think of. Favorite ghost story or urban legend from Texas. Well, who, who wouldn't, who wouldn't uh, like the uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? But actually, uh, one that's even a little bit more scarier than that, and there's still a debate of is it really true? Is the story about the Yurana, which uh, means the crying lady in Spanish, and that was a story that um, all of our parents told us as as kids growing up in the in the, in the Hispanic vibe barrios and stuff like that and it was to keep us from playing in the bayous and we used to love to play in the bayous when we were kids because it was well you know there there was one just right there in my neighborhood and that's where we used to go and and it they're they're sort of kind of wooded and then you know the bayou runs it's you know it's a body of water that runs eventually to the gulf of mexico but they're dangerous to be around if you're a young kid because if you can fall in, you can drown for one thing. But it was mainly to catch the snapping turtles and things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, it, and, and our parents knew that we would go play at the bayous after school. And, and it was just like one of those things where they they didn't, didn't like it. So they always said that if we went and played at the bayous, that the Yorona was going to get us. And so, you know, there were times when we used to go play there. And, of course, as it started getting dark, and a lot of it was imagination. Or it could have been just any kind of weird sound. But then, you know, we'd all be down there and be like, did you hear that? Yeah. The Yorona, run! You know? And so we... <laughs> I mean, it could have just been the wind going, ooh, you know? But, but, yeah, that's the story of the crying lady. What's actually... Just recently, a year ago, maybe not even a year ago, they they finally made a movie about her, which was really cool. Would you like to go back to any questions? Uh, no, I mean, you know, I think you you answered you asked some pretty interesting questions, which are pretty cool. Final words. Final words. Well, yeah, hey, just want to thank everybody for um, 
uh, you know, still following us after all these years and, and, uh, that, you know, we're fortunate that, you know, considering that, um, we haven't gotten a lot of attention in America for many years, cause we've always kind of been classified as a European band, uh, that, you know, we're, we're very happy to see that more and more interviews and uh, like the one you're doing now and requests are coming in and something is happening that um, the new album has finally done to American metal audiences that, you know, people that uh, it's sort of a combination of the people that, uh, you know, have known about the band for as long as we've been around. And we have been around very long since the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. I mean, it almost seems that long. And, uh, you know, and the newer metal kids that are discovering the band. And the strangest thing is that they're loving the old albums more than ever. But I think this new album uh, and the new material, what just few little new songs that we put on it, combined with the covers um, and the direction that we're going, tying in a lot of our old school style, but but with the modern Hellstar that developed in, in the last 15 years. Um, it's doing something, and and the fan base is is extremely growing pretty fast again. Thank you very much. This has been an interview with Hellstar singer James Rivera on June third, twenty twenty one, by Nick Perkel.